Welcome to the New England Take and WKXL, 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord, 101.9 FM Manchester, and nhtalkradio.com. I'm your host, AJ Kirstead. You can listen to the New England Take Fridays at 6 p.m. as well as 6 a.m. on Tuesdays during WKXL in the morning, which I also host here on the station. Excited to be having Megan Tuttle return to the show this week. She's the president of the NEA of New Hampshire. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So I wanted to come to this cold. I didn't want to have a preface to anything. We both very much have opinions on the situation. I'm kind of a mixed bag of opinions on all these legislations. I've uh, full disclosure at the beginning for everyone. I've got a seven-year-old kid who's in the Concord Public School District. Uh, so obviously I have inherent uh, uh, input in what's going on with my kid's education. So, uh, But I, I'm, I'm pretty much... Uh, I'm I'm as nonpartisan as you can possibly be when it comes to how the parties decide things. So it's it's strictly my ethical opinion on different things, and so this is makes an interesting discussion in my opinion. Uh, but I wanted to primarily have you on stage to talk about HB 1255, uh, the 2022 uh, version of the House bill, uh, which is looking to make some changes to the teachers' loyalty um, bill legislation. What do they call it? <laughs> Act. I don't even know at this point, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a disaster. I've, I have the New Hampshire Bulletin on every week. So for the last three weeks, it's just been nonstop uh, bills coming through. And I, I don't know what they're. But, but either way, this this is what's fascinating about this one is this is an older one that was originally about communism and uh, making sure that teachers aren't indoctrinating any of that. Uh, parts, McCarthyism and such, that's an old school thing. But we can dive into that a little bit. But... Um, they're looking to actually change it. Can you speak a little bit to the changes they're looking to do? You know, I wish I could speak more to the changes they're, they're trying to do. Um, so like you said, just, you know, full full disclosure, I have three children in the public school system as well. So, you know, I come at this from the president of NEA New Hampshire, but also as a parent. So mm. it does kind of change how I view things. Um, but when we read 1255 and testified on it yesterday, um, you know, it's really just a an expansion of the banned concepts or HB2 or divisive concepts. It's, you know, it's known by a lot of different, um, a lot of different phrases that really is just an expansion of it. And when, you know, when we read it yesterday, I'm really not sure what the intent is because even the prime sponsor admitted that this isn't what she wanted to put forward. So I don't even know what amendments are going to be made to it. She alluded to some, um, but quite honestly, you know, we were testifying on something that wasn't even what she wanted. And so that leaves us even more confused. Um, it's really just the way we see it, another tack on public educators, on teachers in New Hampshire for doing something that they're not doing. It was asked many times, you know, who told you that this is what's going on? What schools is this happening in? And the prime sponsor couldn't answer that. She didn't have any schools. You know, there were conversations and that's what we've been hearing this whole time. It, but it we really haven't comes... even figured out the divisive concepts legislation, how that's actually exactly. playing out yet, which is, I mean, I, I'm 50-50 when it comes to that legislation. To me, if I had read that came out of the 1970s during the civil rights movement, this totally would have made sense. I mean, 100%. Mm -hmm. I basically have no real issues. The only issue I really have with the divisive concepts legislation is the enforcement aspect of it. Uh, that. I totally don't agree with how that's handling. Uh, Professor John Graby at UNH Franklin Pierce has talked about that extensively and has an opinion piece actually in the New Hampshire Bulletin that just came out. 
uh, yesterday, the day before, that was really an interesting read because um, it kind of the, the enforcement mechanism is very comparable to what Texas did with their abortion law, where it, it's a civil side, the civil side Correct. of the courts when it handles. Um, that obviously puts a lot of onerous on the individual, the teacher in this situation with divisive concepts. Um, but this HB 1255 is, I mean, when, when I, when I, when I was reading the description of it, just the the narrative of people trying to describe what it means, I'm like, oh, I'm I'm wondering why some of the the people are speaking out against it or saying some of their opinions on it. And then I read it, and it's super vague, <laughs> like even more vague than anything in divisive concepts. Well, and that's part of the problem. I mean, right now, divisive concepts has two federal lawsuits. Yeah, you know, one by AFT and one that NEA New Hampshire is part of, and so. We're challenging the vagueness of that law to start. And I have educators who have contacted us to say, you know, this is changing the way I teach in my classroom. I am not letting discussion happen like I normally do because I'm too afraid that it's going to be misinterpreted. So even, you know, anybody could go home and say anything and that could launch an investigation, which, like you said, those ramifications of what could happen, that's someone's livelihood, that's someone's life that they're, you know, questioning and and could be taken away from them. Their teaching license could be taken away. This really 1255, I mean, we thought divisive concept or banned concepts was vague. This is even more vague. And so that's why we really see it in, as an extension of, you know, what happened last year. And again, to remember, 544, when it went through, was overwhelmingly not good. I mean, the majority of people came out in opposition to 544. So that went away and then it was recrafted into what we ended up with, with divisive concept or banned concepts. The problem, you know, with 1255, when the prime sponsor came out and said that it wasn't exactly what she wanted, you know, I don't know what they can change with the testimony. I mean, we have real issues going on with education in New Hampshire. There's a teacher shortage. There's a bus uh, driver shortage. There's a substitute shortage. We're looking at can we or can't we close schools when there's a, you know, a cluster outbreak or there's not enough staff to be able to teach in the schools that day. And do we have to make that up in June or not? I mean, what's going to happen if it goes past June 30th? We have immediate real issues that we need to be dealing with about education and the, the pandemic and everything that's going on. And we're spending hours talking about a vague law that really doesn't need to be there. So what is, I mean, we're not looking and trying to fix what we need to be fixing right now. Yeah, definitely. It's the same with the the healthcare side of the house, uh, where they're in desperate need of more staff, um, and it, with with the education end, I mean, there, there's such a need for more teachers, staff. It's like every, it's like they're they're constantly looking for more uh, support staff and teachers, uh, substitute yeah. teachers. Uh, they need the funding, and that funding that's being put towards this other stuff I, would definitely be a lot more worthwhile. Uh, I mean. Ultimately, when it comes to 1255, like the original way it was, as someone who works for a teacher's union, when it comes to these, it literally says no teacher shall advocate communism was the original bit that was in there. I mean, right. how much did that really play into anything in the real world when it, in modern <laughs> times, maybe within the last 20 or 30 years? I, I mean, honestly, I haven't heard anything from anybody telling me that this is a problem except for the people, the the politicians who are trying to put this into law. I have not heard from people that this is, you know, happening. I have not heard from um, anybody that this is actually a problem, to be quite honest, except for the people trying to stop it. Um, so 
I just, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it plays into it. I'm not even, you know, again, it goes back to the fact that the prime sponsor didn't even, she said the language wasn't what she wanted, but was told to file it anyways. So that to me tells me there's something, obviously we know there's something behind it. We know that, you know, there's a whole group of people um, that are trying to dismantle public education in New Hampshire. That's not a secret. That's been trying to be done um, for the past years. We've been saying it. They're organized. They're well-funded. A lot of the legislation that's been coming out last year and this year is boilerplate legislation from groups like ALEC and, and other groups like that that are very anti-public education. So, I mean, this is just kind of just doing the same thing that's been happening, um, but it's all coming, you know, all coming out now. I'm with when it comes to the fight against stuff like this, mm -hmm. I would I'd like to see from both sides examples like I feel like I'm getting some examples from from the people that are against this stuff. There's like you like you just said, there's no examples of the people that want to make this legislative change, at least when it comes especially when it comes to this one. The divisive concepts one, I'd say there might be a few examples when it comes to more materials available than necessarily necessarily curriculum. Um, is isn't there an inherent problem with the way we handle the the public education sector, at least in New Hampshire, the fact we don't know what the curriculums are, generally speaking, like it's not just there? Well, I think I think it is there. And that was another bill that was put forward yesterday that, you know, curriculum had to be um, seen by November 1st or posted on a district's website. And actually, I believe I don't have the language in front of me. I believe it was curriculum course materials, which is different mm -hmm. than just curriculum. So I, I think if people looked, because I was in the classroom for 18 years and every, I said this yesterday, every open house that I had, every parent night that I did, I always had because we had to have what we were going to be teaching for the year. So I had my, if you want to call it a course syllabus, just the, the topics that were going to be taught. I didn't necessarily have everything that went with it oh, yeah. because, you know, because a good teacher will reflect on what they're doing and they're going to change things for the next day if they need to. But the, the basic outline of what your course is going to be, what your curriculum is for that year, curriculum map, if you want to call it that, they're out there. So they can be found. I mean, a teacher can't go in and end of August and just say, I'm going to wing it this year. They know what the curriculum is going to be for the year. When people say that they can't find them, I just wonder where they're going because if you're involved with your kid's education, you know their teachers, you're in touch with their teachers. And... I don't know any teachers that are going to ignore a parent calling them and saying, hey, what's the curriculum for this year? Or what are you going to be you know, teaching? Um, I think it was Representative Mullen yesterday who during one of the testimonies just looked up Bedford and she had Bedford's curriculum right on the phone right there. So for, for everyone to say or for people to say that they don't know what's being taught in the schools, I do question that because it's there. I think you just need to ask for it. Yeah, I mean that's maybe maybe part of the the problem is it's it's I'd say for a, for a parent that maybe isn't terribly familiar with it, they've got fifteen million other things going on. Is it, it's very hard. I mean, personally, to me, what would be like the perfect situation? This is definitely a technology issue, which we talked about in the previous interview that when you when you joined me on the show is the lack of uh, infrastructure when it comes to resources being available digitally in ways the parents can get to. Um, teachers obviously have just ridiculous amounts of students, just the staffing side of the house, which is very understandable. 
Um, but like to a perfect world, I'd love to see like the uh, canvas rolled out, just like the university's done with the. Is it I learn or learn NH? What's what? Yeah. Do you remember what that's called? I can't remember. So well, Canvas as a platform was mm-hmm. um, was put out there by Commissioner Edel, Commissioner Edelblue, mm-hmm. um, but not all the districts have used it. A lot of districts still use Google Classroom and things like that, um, which kind of goes back to a whole other topic. I mean, there's so many different pieces that you yeah. you know that go together for this. Um, kind of goes back to local control. And what, you know, does the local want to use Canvas or do they want to use something else? I mean, there's so there's other issues with it. I think what you hit upon, though, too, is, you know, for those parents that maybe don't know where to find things, I'm sure there is a better way to get things out there. I No doubt. I think there's always another way, a better way. How can we make it easier for people who aren't so in tune or aren't so familiar with how the school systems work? That That, I think, can always happen. But does it need to be put into legislation as a mandate that something else has to happen like that? I think I honestly do believe it's already out there. So to your point, yeah, there's probably a better way to do it. But to spend all this money in legislation and the hearings and the testimonies and the back and forth and everything else just to say we want to see the curriculum. Yeah, I know, right? It's totally I mean, the wrong the, way. The, you know, and the thing is, too, I mean, just to bring another piece of this, mm-hmm. teachers are being attacked every day. The teachers in New Hampshire are being attacked by, you know, the politicians saying, we're not doing this, we're not doing that, or you are doing this, you are doing that. Teachers teach the curriculum that's set forth by the school boards and administration. So the way we teach the curriculum is up to the teacher, right? Because they went to school for that. They are professionals. They learn the pedagogy. They know how children's minds work, how children, well, I don't know about the minds, but they know how children's brains work and develop. <laughs> I mean, I taught eighth grade for 18 years and I still don't know how an eighth grader thinks. <laughs> it's but, a mystery. But we go to school for that, right? That's what mm-hmm. we do as professionals. So the delivery of the material should be left up to the teacher. Now, the curriculum though, that's all set by other people. And I think the, the piece that, you know, seems to be missing here is teachers are getting attacked for things they don't have control over. And there are much more pressing issues going on in education in New Hampshire. And I think we have to remember too, New Hampshire's always, New Hampshire for the past, I don't know, five or 10 years has ranked in the top five for education. Right. Something's going right here. Yeah. There's like, something that's well, going and right. And it's, it's very obvious. There's a totally different thing going on here than like we, we've seen examples of CRT or anti anti racism topics and such being taught in other states like California, New York, and stuff. There's tons of examples of such. Mm-hmm. I no one's had an example here. Like I, I, I haven't would, heard of any. I I just want to see one so that there's some warranting of something. But removing and and that's what kind of drives me nuts about the discourse around this is, um. It, is we we've talked we've we've harped on the 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 Republicans a lot on this and everything on that end on the other side of the house then we see some people freaking out because one or two books was removed from libraries because like uh, especially stuff by Max Kendi and such I mean like those are very divisive texts like and that is especially if you're talking through K through eight then maybe yeah that shouldn't be in there because once again it's coming down to the matureness of the students when it comes to that and sexually explicit material has been brought up over and over again it's like yeah fine maybe the districts could do a little bit better with some of the resources that are available fine 
that doesn't involve changing a whole creating a whole bill that completely restructures everything. <laughs> exactly. And that's the point. I think a conversation with the school board, with the with the yes. principal first and the teacher is the first step on this, but to create legislation, you know, and I mean, we have, like I said earlier, there's two federal lawsuits just yeah. on the banned concepts right now. And it's the same material. So you know, I, and I just it's want not this to hit the that... court. There's got to hit the court so we can move past this before right. we add on more. <laughs> Jeez, um, let's Thank get you. some cases through. I mean, that's I, I'm I've always dealt with the policy and legal end of things with what I do at, at my full time job and here with my shows. But I try and focus on that. Is I hate diving into just the political rhetoric of everything too much because it's just gross half the time. Like a pr- prime example with this is. Um, like the ACLU had this just ridiculous tweet today that curriculum transparency bills are just thinly veiled attempts at chilling teachers and students from learning and talking about race and gender at schools. That's political text. That's not, it's just, it, there should be some amount of openness. And when mm-hmm. you just phrase things like that, it just is super divisive for both sides of the aisle. It is. And, and what's coming out of that, unfortunately, I mean, Part of our lawsuit, you know, when I talk with the educators in New Hampshire that got a hold of me for this, what's happening is that their discussions are being stopped. Hmm. Their, you know, ways of teaching critical thinking are being stopped, not because they don't want to have the conversations with the kids, but they're too afraid that if they say one word that sounds different, that they're going to be, you know, told on or tattled on. Yeah. And it's going to be taken out of context. And I mean, I, like I said yesterday in some of my testimony for a lot of these things, when I was in the classroom, my principal was walking through almost every day. They do 10 minute walkthroughs, you know, they're checking in. I invite, come into the classroom, come see what I'm teaching. And, you know, teachers that I talk to even now, granted, it's harder to get in the, into the schools now than it, you know, ever was with fingerprinting and, and COVID and, you know, all that stuff. But, but come in and see. I mean, like you said, I have not seen or heard of one example of why all of this is necessary. Everything has been, you know, quote unquote, conversations I've had with people who, if they're bold enough that they wanna come talk to you as a representative to make a law about this, let them come out and say who they are. I mean, what what are they saying? Where is it happening? Has there been a discussion with the teacher that supposedly was doing this? Has there been a discussion with the administrator? Because I haven't seen any of that. It it reminds me a little bit of uh, UFOs where you you hear this person had stories over there, but nowadays (laughs) everyone's got a smartphone and all of a sudden like, oh, the UFO stories started going away. I don't know. It's like, guys, you all you all have access. We always hear about all these secret recordings. Any idiot with a smartphone could just hit voice recorder <laughs> and record the conversation. Legality aside, something would yeah. come up by now. Well, and, and the other piece of it, too, is, again, I, I mean, I don't know every single teacher in New Hampshire, but the majority that I do know, which is a lot, they're not going to not talk to a parent if a parent has questions. Yeah. You know, I mean, and the principals are the same way. Superintendents are the, I mean, superintendents are very busy, as is everyone. Yes. But again, go to the source first, you know, talk to the mm-hmm. teachers. And it's just, it's really sad because of everything happening and all the crisis we're dealing with right now. You know, we just want to make sure that kids are being taught. I mean, that's yeah. really what teachers want to do. You're a conquered parent, right? You get yeah. the same emails I do, I'm sure, about all the cases in schools every day. We're working through it. Everyone's doing the best they can. But when, when teachers are getting attacked about, you know, things that really are not part of the crisis right now, that's when it starts to get, you know, that's what gets us a little upset. 
Megan, thank you so much for joining me. You're, you're, I, I really appreciate. We don't agree on on everything by any stretch, but it, okay. I really appreciate you coming and having a discussion about it. It's it's why I love having this show. Neanh.org if you want to learn about uh, NEA of New Hampshire. Megan Tuttle, president over there. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Anytime. This is the New England Take and WKXL. I'm your host, AJ Kirsa. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the New England Take and WKXL. 1450 AM, 103.9 FM Concord. Now, 101.9 FM Manchester. Very excited to be down there now. And you can definitely check out nhtalkradio.com to get our 24-7 live stream and all your favorite shows on demand. So, I had a very interesting show today. Started off with a little bit of politics and uh, policy uh, discussion with Megan Tuttle over at the New Hampshire NEA. And I had some takeaways from that that I think are really important. is just the ability to have an open discussion and not just lock yourself in a corner. Like, Megan and I disagree on a lot. There's no way around it. I think it's very obvious from listening that I have some uh, more conservative opinions on it, and I have real concern about not necessarily traditional critical race theory, but more the offshoots of critical race theory, and as as well as the fact we're training teachers in this at a lot of universities, and I, I think that's really problematic. I definitely saw it at Franklin Pierce University when I was a student there a decade ago. Uh, and I can only imagine what it's like now. And uh, we, we see, like, Andy No was not allowed to speak at Dartmouth College this week because there were threats. I, I mean, we need open discussion. And I I'm supremely can't stand it that people are uh, threatened with violence just for having a discussion and speaking out against various things that maybe they ha- have an opinion on, maybe they witness, like Andy No, for example example, witnessed some supremely horrible things in Seattle and over in that part of the country. And he was he was attacked like he had um, he was milkshaked, which or God knows what was inside that thing. He got hit in the head and he, su- he suffered brain damage from it. it. That's a voice I feel like we should hear from in his experience and what he witnessed over there as a journalist. You can say he's not a journalist because he's one sided, but I don't think that's how that works. You can like the Daily Wire, Vox. These are all partisan outlets that have opinions that you can disagree with, but they are doing a certain level of journalism. And outside of journalism, just an, just a matter of opinion, I think it's important to take in different opinions from people you just get along with, maybe people you totally don't get along with and never will want to have a discussion with, because it's important to know how other people think. Uh, Matt Robeson, who is one of the co-hosts on Beyond Politics, follow him, Matt L. Robeson, on Twitter. Uh, he had a great article about how he feels like Biden's first year has been an A-plus rating, in his opinion, mainly because he felt like, by comparison to what we would have dealt with if Trump was the president, uh, his podcast on it was great too, which you can check out at nhtalkradio.com and the Beyond Politics uh, podcast feed. Uh, but I listened to it. I didn't agree with almost anything he said. <laughs> like maybe a portion of it. I, like I think there would have been some serious problems if Trump was the president right now, especially post Stop the Steal. Like I voted for him in this for the second term, not the first term. Uh, but I feel like knowing the opinion of Matt. Is is really is something I should take advantage of that it's just out there, and now I know why he thinks 
Biden is doing great. And I think a lot of that is by contrast to Trump, which is totally understandable, once again, especially in wake of Stop the Steal, which I do not agree with, and January 6th, which I do not agree with. And there's all sorts of ways we can kind of break that down more. It's a four-minute segment here, so I can only do it so much. A, a dialogue is important, and that's one of the issues I have with the Libertarian Party of New Hampshire. Putting a bill up for succeed, New Hampshire to succeed from the United States. I, I'm a constitutionalist. I think the form of government we have in this country is amazing because it allows us to compromise, have different opinions. I'm personally, I'm okay if the federal government doesn't get that much done because I feel like the federal government should only do things that are like very important and could or everyone agrees with we have federalism in this country so the individual states can do what they want california can do whatever crazy things they want to do because it's california and you and new hampshire can have this kind of just centrist uh one way or the other swinging political system because that's how we feel here in this state and i feel like new hampshire is unique and one of the best in the country because of that You're listening to New England Take on WKXL. Talk to you next week.